On second and ten, Allen just trying to get him some breathing room. Football squirted out. It's picked up. Cleveland into the end zone. Denzel Ward. And the call on the field is a touchdown. Will be on the shelf in that one. And Bronze fans hoping to get a little help. That pass deflected in the air. It's intercepted. Picked off by Tony Fields. And he is in for the pick six. It was Chase Winovich with the deflection. Yes, you could say that Cleveland was having a bit of a fields day yesterday. Maybe not so much in terms of the uh, emphatic nature of the victory, but at least a great day for Tony Fields II. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Believe in Brits podcast with myself, Josh Henwood, as well as Sean Blundell and Wine Jones. We'll be breaking down everything from Houston Yesterday, as the Cleveland Browns triumphed 27-14 over the Houston Texans to go 5-7. and seven. Uh, Unfortunately, results in the AFC North did not go our way, which means our game break to the Ravens and the Bengals remains at 3. And Pittsburgh remain hot on our tails, having also beaten the Atlanta Falcons, which means that there is no game break underneath us either. So... First of all, chaps, very, uh, f- first of all, nice to see you again. And uh, first question, of course, is what are your initial thoughts after that game? Just your initial one-liner, Hawaiian? Interesting would be my my one word for the game, yeah, interesting. Cool. Sean? The supposed franchise quarterback is undefeated. wow what a glass half full kind of guy um yeah i I, i'm i've been trying to think about this for much of the day actually and i think that as a browns fan that has suffered through what we suffered five six years ago i welcome any win you know any win is welcome when you're a browns fan that's gone through that but God, it did not feel like a win yesterday. It really, really did not. Let's break down some of the stats behind yesterday's win. So, passing yards. Houston outpassed us by 201 to 130. Yes, that's right. The $230 million quarterback was defeated on passing yards by Kyle Allen. Uh, Rushing yards. Browns... Un, un, uh, you, you know, unshockingly dominated that 174 to 82 yards. Uh, the Browns was able to turn over the ball twice as m- many times as Houston, four times to twice. Um, Houston was able to register the only sack of the game. Time of possession was relatively even, 32 minutes to 28 minutes. Um, so we'll start off with the offense, chaps. I think that there was enough of a distinct uh, a distinction between offense, defense, and special teams to run through all three of them. Um, first of all, Deshaun Watson obviously was going to be the story of this game, and uh, Wayne, I'm going to let you have the first say on this because you've been beating this drum ever since um, ever since it was first put down that Deshaun Watson was going to have the first touches against the Houston Texans. He ends up with a stat line of 131 passing yards and 21 rushing yards, uh, 12 completions of 22 attempts and a interception on what would have been an attempted touchdown pass. Uh, Nick Chubb gets 80 yards off 17 carries, Hunt 56 yards off nine carries, the uh, the best receiver stat was Donovan Peoples-Jones with 44 yards and a perfect three catches from three. Cooper ended up with 40 yards and something along the lines of four catches of nine attempts or something like that. He definitely preferred Amari Cooper's side. But you said from the very beginning of mine that Deshaun Watson was going to find it difficult, especially early. He was going to have a lot of rust. But here's my thing to you. That was a hell of a lot more than rust yesterday. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Like, 
I've been expecting that bad performance to happen for a long, long time. But even in my wildest dreams, I didn't think it would be that bad. Like I didn't expect us to see 10-yard throws, you know, dropping five yards short of our receivers. Like some of those throws were really, really frightening yesterday. Like you, you spoke about Kyle Allen having, you know, out, out pass yarded. Watson yesterday, you know, even even after two years, you wouldn't really expect that, would you? I don't think. No. And well, no, not with the money you're paying. Not with the money yeah. you're paying him because you take it. This, this it was the argument I was making to you is that you don't pay a guy that kind of money and expect too much rust. You know, you expect him to be able to make the. I mean, some of those passes I could do. You know, you know, it, it was. Three yard passes, even that were hitting the floor. Yeah, like like I said, I wasn't expecting it to be that bad. You know, I've been pounding the drum for a long time that you know a lot more goes into to sport than just ability, and you can't just walk out on a field and you know if you were the best player two years ago and nothing had happened in that two years, you're probably not going to be the best player on the field in two years' time. Let alone you know all the stuff mentally that's gone on in his head. So. You know, I think some people had some unrealistic expectations when it came to yesterday. I do agree with you. I think it was worse than than what even I thought it was going to be. You know, my missus came into the room at one point and asked, like, what you know, how much we were losing by, which I think <laughs> tells you the story about how how my reaction was watching it because you know it was it was a tough tough watch. You know, we played. It was. Pe- people are saying like. Yeah, we won the game by what? You know, fifteen odd point. I can't remember what the final it was score 13 was. Thirteen point win. Thirteen points. Um, that was the Texans that the literally, you know, Miami made it look a little bit closer. You know, in the second half the week before, but that that could have been sixty points if Miami put it kept their foot on the on the pedal that week against Houston. So that is a terrible, terrible team. So I don't want to get too negative. Because we've just won a game of football, we've kept our play of hopes alive. But I think there's a lot of fool's gold in yesterday, and um, yeah, it was concerning as it pertains to our our chances of doing anything this season. I think. Yeah, let's uh, let let's go to our resident optimist here, Sean. Oh. And now I I imagine that there was a hell of a lot of sarcasm in your line there to a to a degree in terms of your glass half full remark there saying that you know you know you know the quarterback is uh, is undefeated etc now you you were a bit more on it because i think that you were more in my camp to say that you know there had to be a reason as to why we might have gotten you know couldn't have expected that much rest. he got a lot of the off-season snaps um he's been you know, at every opportunity has been able to take those first team reps and all the rest of it. You know, where where are you standing at? You know, are you worried not just for the end of this season, but potentially even next? No, I, I think look, let's let's wait and see what next week brings. You know, I don't think we should be jumping to any massive conclusions. I think the there was a really significant play, I think third offensive play of the game, where David Bell went down and ultimately he never came back. Um, if you actually look at some of the snap counts from yesterday and you look at some of the offensive personnel that were out there, <clears throat> Dimitri Felton was the most used running back yesterday, which, you know, yeah. was a real surprise, you know, but he played 60% of the snaps. Now, a lot of that was as the third wide receiver because essentially, like I say, David Bell went down. Anthony Schwartz then fumbles the next opportunity when he was given the chance to be the third wide receiver. So ultimately, we didn't really play with much in terms of wide receivers yesterday. Tight end position also disappointing yesterday. You know, outside of David Njoku, these are these are a few games now that Harrison Bryant's had as the de facto tight end one, and you know, again, you know, just not really involved at all yesterday. Got a nice end around for the one play that Jacoby Brissett was in for. It was a bit of a you know trick play, so to speak, a bit of um, misdirection, but ultimately a really non-existent game. Farrell Brown, again, was in for the vast majority of the snaps at the tight end position. He's not going to 
frighten anybody. So, look, I'm not making excuses for some of the poor throws. Like you say, some of them were into the ground. They were really disappointing that even a couple of them that people managed to hang on to. I think of one in particular with Kareem Hunt that it should have been a really routine, simple throw over the middle and Hunt was basically down picking it up off his toes. Um, you know, so there was certainly a lot of rust there. I was actually quite encouraged by some of the things I was seeing, though, in terms of some of the RPOs and the little wrinkles that were in the offence. I think you can imagine what it might look like if things do click and things start to go well. Um, you know, I think he certainly adds that dimension. You know, there was a there was a particularly nice one that actually got brought back on a holding call. I think DPJ was 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 flagged for holding on one, uh, and it's those kind of wrinkles that are now going to be brought into the offence that will will ultimately make it, like I say, a much more difficult offence to defend. Um, but it was just a really scrappy game yesterday, wasn't it? it? The tone was kind of set really on that first drive, wasn't it? You know, we got the ball on a short field after an absolute dream start to proceedings, which was nearly an absolute disaster of a start to proceedings because it should have been a big play for the Texans. Um, yeah, it should have. But ultimately ended up as a turnover. And, you know, what did we do? Go three and out, you know, and two, two difficult you know, chances, if you like, but one one to Cooper where the defender was, was in close and then, like I said, the throw to David Bell was low and, you know, it kind of just set, really set the tone for the whole day, really. Um, you know, so it was a difficult watch on the offence, but I'm not, I'm not overly concerned at this moment in time. I think ultimately, as we said last week, you know, even if we would have been sitting here at, you know, eight and three or, you know, something of those kind of numbers, you know, this change was always going to be made regardless. Um, you know, and I think it was pretty much shut down straight away in the post-match press conference, wasn't it? You know, that Deshaun is now the starter and that's it. So, you know, let's hope it was nothing more than a bit of rust. As much as people can get reps in the pre-season and as much as people can get reps in training, you know, there's no you know, replica for real live game action is that, you know, there's nothing like that environment. It's a bit like the World Cup at the minute, isn't it? I'm sure Japan have practiced penalties all week and then when they got to the penalty spot this afternoon, they were absolutely bloody hopeless because there's no, you know, there's no way you can replicate that environment, is there? So, hopefully, nothing more than a bit of ring rust. Um, you know, and I'd expect to see, and you know, a big leap forward this week and you know we'll wait and see whether that does transpire but also I think like I say just on that offensive personnel side you know do do bear that in mind when we're actually sort of analysing it yesterday because it really was um, a bit of a threadbare attack to say the least you know particularly with some of the usage because like you say just very very strange when you look at it that you know the snap counts were what they were yeah I think that um I, I think that there, there is something to be said for the fact that we were playing Houston. You know, there, there there was an understanding that we could do enough with the run in order to break it down, but then we would never actually do enough on offense. Stupidly enough, this is the uh, this is the first game in Browns franchise history where we've scored three touchdowns or more and none of them have come from offensive plays. So you had two defensive scores, and then also Donovan Peoples-Jones' uh, punt return touchdown. Um, you know, it's the first time that that's ever happened in Browns franchise history. And it seemed that as a team, as soon as we got ahead, of which seemed to take forever, but as soon as we got ahead, it never seemed in doubt that we were going to win. It was more of a case of, you know, just how difficult were we going to make it for ourselves? And it turns out that it was a case of trying to strangle the game by running more than anything else. And that was, I'm unsure whether or not that was Stefanski looking to protect Deshaun Watson as much as possible, because there's no way in normal circumstances you only give Deshaun Watson 22 throws. You know, I don't, I, I don't see how that works. Jacoby Brissett has had more than 22 throws in every single one of his games for us. You know, so there has to be something else going on there. Um, but yeah, it, it was just an odd game. Like you say, Demetric Felton was out there a lot as well. Um, there was a lot of use of, uh, you know, I think Pharaoh Brown got a reception as well. Um, Harrison Bryant was out there a lot, but never really used as a passing threat. He was only targeted once and he caught it. Uh, as you say, Sean. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of strange things on offense. And in terms of the defense, as we now turn around, 
to talk about that. Tony Fields definitely had a day yesterday. If you look at that stat line, um, so he got a touchdown off a interception. Um, he also forced a fumble of which Denzel Ward picked up for a touchdown as well. So Tony Fields was directly involved in 14 points yesterday. That's 14 more than Deshaun Watson, if anyone's uh, keeping count. <laughs> um, and he also had a pass deflected as well. So, uh, you know, Tony Fields is the franchise quarterback this this week um, with, uh, with that stat line. Denzel Ward also had a day um, with that touchdown from the fumble recovery as well as three tackles. John Johnson with that early interception, um, of which, you know, it was a gift more than anything else. I think it's very telling, and I think that a wine you more than anyone who's been on John Johnson watch. Um, actually, no, Sean, you've been on John Johnson watch, haven't you? Actually, no, I think the whole podcast has. So John Johnson watch, he came up with probably the easiest gift of interceptions, and after that, he didn't make a single tackle. Um, so that was Tellyweight is there. Greg Newsom actually led the tackles yesterday with four. But I think that's also telling as well. Owen, I'll come back to you on this. For all the good that it looks like on paper, the defense kind of regressed yesterday when you look at the simple stuff. There was a lot of missed tackles. There was a lot of allowing Houston to play in front of them. Um, Pierce seemed to do what he wanted to a certain point until they had to abandon the run. Um, you know, if you play like that against the Bengals and the Ravens, we're going to have a tough time. I think yesterday was what they envisioned for this defence in a way, but against a terrible quarterback. I think, you know, they've gone into this season, obviously, wanting to score so many points that the teams have to abandon the run so then they can get after the passer a little bit more, be aggressive, and all the investment in the secondary they've had over the last few years can get them these turnovers, can get them stops and, and get the offence the ball back. Um, so I think, in a weird way, that's what they wanted their defence to be this start this season. But you can't... It's, it's tough to really view that performance yesterday in any sort of context because Ky, Kyle Allen was so bad. Like, he sailed so many balls yesterday... You know, and to be honest, there was the, a lot of these throws. They had open receivers. We talked about that John Johnson pick at the start of the game. Really good play call, I thought, to take a shot there on the first play of the game. He was wide open. Like that should have been that should have been a big play for the Texans. Terrible throw, and well, yeah, bad throw. Not terrible, bad throw. And then you know, fortunately, John Johnson comes up with the interception, but. Yeah, I think it's tough to put your finger on how good the defense was yesterday. Like you said, some of the the run stuff was was coming back to haunt them at times yesterday. Um, I thought the goal line stand in the first or second quarter where Delpit knocked the ball away, Clowney got some pressure. I thought that was huge at that moment because yeah. we were five 0 down. Offense looked terrible. Um, we needed that ball back, and um, I thought that was a really good play from Delpit who. You know, we've given a lot of criticism on this podcast, and rightly so. But to be fair to him, he's stacking a few decent weeks on top of each other last last sort of month or so, which is nice to see. Um, you know, still a young player with a lot of talent. So, you know, we're all hoping he figures it out as much as much stick as we've given him this year. And like I said, rightly so. We're all we're all pulling for him to to come through this and, and be a better. Oh, of player, course so. we are. Of course we are. We wouldn't yeah, be Browns nice. fans otherwise, but we've got to be yeah, a course. little depressing. Nice to see. Um, one one thing I wanted to to um, to touch on as well. I think Alex Wright actually finished our fourth highest graded player on the team yesterday, which you know I think he got an eighty one grade on PFF, which is really nice to see because past Clowney and Garrett, we all we all know that our pass rush unit is not the not the greatest. Um, and we need to see development from Alex Wright relatively quickly. So to see him taking a stride yesterday was, was nice to see, and hopefully he can take that into to games against better better tackles and better players in the future. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. I um I did see that there was a lot more rotation yesterday in terms of the defensive ends. Miles Garrett had a lot more time 
on the sidelines. Uh, there was also particular mention from uh, Aditi Kinkabala about uh, that shoulder injury that is causing that that is causing some distress to him, and said that it will for the entirety of the uh, season until they can get it looked at in the off season. So that is a concern. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the defense. And I just want to give a shout out to special teams. Sean, when was the last time that we actually did something memorable in the return game on uh, on special teams? Donovan Peoples Jones with a was that a 60 yard return or something like that? So you got that. And here's another note and something which I'd like you to comment on. We've all been calling for the special teams coordinator, the name escapes me as of right this very moment of which doesn't bode well, um, but calling for his head or for him to at least be reviewed. Was the switch of Donovan Peoples-Jones to go back into the return game something of which is going to save his bacon? I'd be very surprised if it saves his bacon. We'll wait and see. But I think the special teams would probably need to play like this for the next six weeks for him to have any chance of saving his bacon. To be honest, I think that ship has probably sailed. But we shall see. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has shown flashes for the last couple of weeks that he was just a fraction away from breaking a big one. Um, and this one was, what, 76 yards? It actually was meant to, to give you the exact number. 76 yards for the touchdown. Looked like he was going to fall over on several occasions, but somehow managed to to actually maintain his balance. So that was that was really good to see. I think you know the the changes in the last couple of weeks since Jerome Ford has come back. You know Jerome Ford has looked reasonable on kickoff returns. Didn't have his greatest day there yesterday, but he has shown a little bit of a spark in the last few weeks. And like so, certainly that move with DPJ has, has certainly proved. Dividends. I thought the special teams overall yesterday were pretty good um, in terms of from the offensive side of things. You know, Cage York was perfect yesterday. You know, again, another player that we you know will criticise when it's right to criticise, but he was perfect yesterday. Um, nice. And all the kicks didn't look like they were in any danger of missing. There was not one that I can recall that just scraped through. You know, they were all good, true kicks. I thought Bahorquez was huge in terms of his leg yesterday. Um, I mean, his, his net punting for yesterday was 51.8, and that's net. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, that's pretty phenomenal. The only thing I would say is it was it was just some of the the coverage in terms of the returns. I think Desmond King returned one for 50 um, from a kickoff. Yeah. Um, you know, which obviously a bit disappointing. Um, you know, but like I say, overall, special teams... We've said in close games, special teams can and often is the difference maker. It's nice to be on the right side of that. And, you know, ultimately, what happened after that Donovan Peoples-Jones punt return is generally the kicks became more directional, which obviously means they don't carry as much distance. So, you're in, you know, you're gaining field position that way, aren't you? So, you know, overall, like I say, it was a, it was a much improved performance from them. Um, like I say, it'll just... It'll be a wait and see in terms of whether anything, you know, sort of develops in terms of this becoming more of a familiar pattern now or whether this was just a bit of a flash in the pan because, you know, we've seen far too often special team breakdowns and that's what I say. I'd be very surprised if it ultimately ends up saving Prefer's position. Um, but we'll, you know, like I say, we'll, we'll certainly take it when it when it falls our way. Just quickly for me, mate, on the defence, um, I thought yesterday was quite interesting again in terms of some of the snaps and the distribution. You mentioned Tony Fields. Obviously, he'll show up in terms of the flash plays and you've obviously put him up there on the graphic. Um, it'll be interesting because I think there are a few plays, if you watch it, that you know he was certainly out of position. Um, you know, and Ultimately, he's been, been on the squad now for a couple of years. This is really the first time I can recall seeing him with you know, some significant game action. And obviously, with the the unfortunate injury to Sione Taki Taki, we're down yet another linebacker. It may well be that Tony Field sees more time. Already interesting to see him out snapping Dion Jones. I think that swing has certainly been a miss. You know, in terms of you know that trade with the Falcons, I don't think that's proved to be anywhere near as successful, even in terms of it being a sticking plaster as as the team hoped it might have been. Um, you know, so he's already out snapping him there. So we'll wait and see. 
And I thought the other thing that was interesting yesterday was there was a lot more Greg Newsom and a lot less Martin Emerson yesterday, um, yes. which was very interesting to see, considering all the plaudits that had come in the week prior. And I know we had this debate last week, and Owen was right to point out that you know, the end result wasn't necessarily because of perfect coverage all the time. There were a few bad throws from Brady last week and all of those type of things. Um, but really interesting to see a lot more of, um, of Greg Newsom this week. He and Denzel Ward played 56 snaps apiece compared to just 37 for Emerson. Um, I've got so to be honest. Keep an eye on. I've got to be honest. I, I like that. You know, I to go into this season, I hated the fact that we were putting Newsom into the slot. And it was because that's such a, you know... The slot's an important position in the NFL, but it's, it's a lot less valuable than an outside corner. And if you look at why the Browns drafted um, Newsom in the first place, they drafted him with a view to sequencing his contract with Denzel's, okay? So when when Denzel gets a little bit too old or too expensive and Newsom's getting into the end of his first contract, Newsom gets paid, Ward gets moved on. That's just the way it is. So why... After a really successful first season, I thought, from Newsom last year, why we wanted to move him then into a less valuable position never made any sense to me at all. Now, that's ended up being an okay decision in terms of Emerson's come on and, and been really good and surprised a hell of a lot of people, including me. But it still doesn't make sense to me now because you've got three legitimate starting corners on the outside and then no one really that capable of playing in the slot. I think Newsom did some stuff yesterday, by the way, that I thought was much better. Like the break he made on the ball, he's done that a few times this season now, where the wide receiver goes on an out route. Newsom, you know, awareness to to see the route, jumps it. He should he should have taken that for a touchdown yesterday. But you know, just to get the PBU, great play. I just yeah, I just confused about why we decided to do that now because going forward Denzel's still on a lot of money going forward he's not really tradable Newsom second year player you're not you don't want to trade him away and then that means you're either putting Newsom or Emerson on the bench when you're not in you know not in nickel or dime so it's a confusing, still a confusing move for, for me from the But may, may, maybe that is the issue. You know, if, you, if you've got three bona fide starters, if you've got one guy who goes up and says, you know, I don't want to sit on the bench when you've not got me on the outside, I can play slots. You know, the Browns seem like the kind of organization that would lick their lips at that and go, fantastic, you know, off you go, kid, because we don't have a legitimate slot corner, of which means that if they can get someone who wants to learn the versatility, they they will they, they will trade off some of the they'll trade off some of the utility in order to get that happen. If they're able to finally start mixing and matching it properly so that he still gets his outside reps, especially on reps that are important, then where he can be effective and impactful, maybe that's the best way of using him. But if it's a case of trying to get it so that all three can be on the field because they are all athletic guys that can do stuff, you know, we haven't had a we we haven't had an issue at corner where we've had too many healthy, good corners of late. You know, I'm pretty sure that the Browns organization is there going, one of you guys is supposed to be injured by now, one of you guys is always injured by now, and it's not really been an issue this year. Yeah, yeah, you, you could be right. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying that it's ended up a bad decision. Because now you have three corners capable of, you know, locking down opposition wide receivers on the outside. I just the process of it was a little bit confusing to me. Yeah. The way they went into it is is what I'm trying to say. Especially no, no, I totally get that. Emerson maybe just showed too much in training yeah. in, in yeah. the summer, yeah. and they pro probably surprised by it. Going forward and looking into the draft next year, I think. This this could be it. You know, you have to draft corners relatively early for the most part. I know this this season's been 
a little bit of an anomaly in the fact that you know Seahawks got Tyreek Woolen, I think, in the fourth round, and he like is one of the leaders in interceptions this year, and he's played really well. We got Emerson in the third. There's another one that um, I'm blanking on at the minute. Oh, um, the Patriots getting Jonathan Jones in, you know, in the I think they got him in the fourth as well. So. You know, but normally after draft corners is relatively early. So the one the one positive you can you can think of is we're probably not gonna have to look a corner this year. We haven't got a first round pick anyway. Our second round pick for me has to be on a wide receiver this year. And I think this game, you know, listeners of this pod are gonna hear me bashing that drum this year that we have to draft a wide receiver with our second round pick. Remember this game. When I'm going on and on and on about it in the off season, remember this game because how how badly did we need an extra wide receiver in this game? Um, yeah. Because like we said, we ended up we end up with Felton taking real meaningful slap snaps for the for the majority of the game. So yeah, at least the only meaningful slaps. Um, yeah, yeah. At least going back to corner, we don't we don't uh, we don't need to look at one of them this year. I don't think. No, you you definitely need to look at value, it's especially when you don't have a first-round pick. And yeah. I don't think that we're going to be trading up into the first round for anybody. So, uh, yeah, I'd agree with you there. A, a good quality wide receiver is probably what this draft class is all about, really, in the second round as well. I'm sure that we're not the only suitors for such a position at that pick. Yeah. Um, just a quick one before we pop on to the Bengals game. Chris, who um, who does send in messages from time to time, just asking in terms of the uh, return game, is King Grant under contract next year? I've just taken a look, and apparently he, you're shaking your head, Owen. He is until 2024, I believe. Um, yeah, but I don't expect him to be back. If you listen to, to our good friend, friend of the pod, I'm sure we'll have him on at, at some point, Jack Duffin, I think. Um, all indications are that, that this was pretty much a one-year deal and we don't really expect him to be back next oh, year. Gutting. Um, so yeah, you've heard you've heard it, you've heard it there. I've I've got him down as free twenty-four, but the wheeling and dealing of the league is such a is is such a kaleidoscope that that could very, very well be true. Uh, so let's get on then to Pastures New and our friends over in Cincinnati. We obviously have quite a good record against Cincinnati in recent times, of which is something to um, something to look out for. I would say in this in this game, I'm I'm always one that's more optimistic than pessimistic against the Bengals, no matter how good they've gotten or how. Uh, you know, where their luck is currently shining. Uh, this is where I've asked you guys to give me a point um, each this week, and we'll start with you, Sean, on continuing to be Burroughs' kryptonite. Yeah, you've just said it yourself there, mate. He's, you know, he's never beaten the Cleveland Browns as of yet. Um, obviously, you know, we're not disputing he's one of the best certainly best young quarterbacks in the league. I'm sure that there'll be plenty of people that'll have you believing he's already one of the best quarterbacks in the league, regardless of his age. He obviously played very well in the win over the Chiefs yesterday. Um, you know, but don't forget, we're only talking, what, four weeks ago or five weeks ago that the Cleveland Browns' best performance of the season was an absolute annihilation of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Um, now, yes, you could potentially argue they're playing better in recent weeks. And like I say, certainly yesterday's win against the Chiefs was a bit of a statement. I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. Um, you know, but we've just talked there about the corners and, and the Browns, haven't we, in, in terms of what they sort of can all do and collectively between them. We talked about this matchup previously, didn't we, about T. Higgins. He's a good matchup for Martin Emerson. You've obviously got Denzel Ward fit. You've obviously got Greg Newsom back healthy, playing well. You know, when you look at the Bengals, their big three weapons, if you like, in terms of Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, we you know we we match up well against them. Um, you know, so there's plenty of reason to be optimistic. I'd be more concerned about Samar JP Ryan, to be honest. I think it's one of those that, again. Joe Mixon's had plenty of big day against the Browns in the past. Whether he'll go or not this week, we'll wait and see. But P. Ryan has certainly come in and has done well. 
um, you know, for them, you know, in the in the limited action that he's had over the last couple of weeks. He rushed for over 100 yesterday, um, you know, so he would factor in to be, you know, a really important piece in that um, in that jigsaw. But I just think, like I say, that these these trends, these things, they 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 sort of almost become problematic in their own right, don't they? That all of a sudden, you know, you just everyone has this bogey team that you know, you, well, it doesn't matter how well we're playing or or you know how good recent form is. We just whenever we play these, we just never seem to be able to to get over the line. Um, you know, so for me continue to be that problem you know obviously it was interesting as you said to see the rotation defensive end last week um you know the Bengals offensive line again has probably played better in recent weeks I think there were certainly some issues at the start of the season but I think it's come together as they've obviously played more regularly um you know Burrow doesn't seem to be running for his life as much as he was at the start of the season but I think the Browns know how to beat the Bengals um you know and I'd imagine that, you know, this is very much, you know, a game that they're looking forward to. I think, as you said, it's one of those that you don't dread this game as much as the Bengals will be heavy favourites, I would guess, in terms of with the bookies and all of that kind of stuff. I'd imagine they're probably quite heavily favoured. Um, you know, but I think it's a game that the Browns have certainly got a chance of winning based on, like I said, the previous records. I think we've done the double over them in the last two or three seasons, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, it's... It's going back a while now since the Bengals tasted victory. I believe it's five games in a row that we've beaten the Bengals. I think that that's the line currently. Um, yeah, no, I mean, personally, I absolutely agree. You know, we, we have seen, especially defensively, we just seem to match up um, against um, a Joe Burrow-led Bengals team and have them for... And it, it seems to defy sense. On this podcast, all we have done is trash the defense this year. Maybe outside of the corners, everybody else has been fair game, but everyone, everything just seems to work against Cincinnati. Um, Wine, do you want to jump in on this one? Because I imagine that you might have something quite different to say on, on this in particular. Uh, to be honest, I, I just... I don't put as much value into previous history as some other people is how I would probably say. Um, just not a romantic. Yeah, I, just, I, I just don't <laughs> think like past record has too much to to account for in games like this. I think you know me and you both had a little bit of money on the Bengals. Well, you had a lot more money on the Chiefs last night than I did. Um, <sighs> yeah. But you know that gave me a reason to to stay up and watch that game last night, and um, I thought the the Bengals were really impressive. You know, on offense they they threw the ball pretty much you know at will. Like whenever they wanted to throw the ball to a wide receiver, the wide receiver was open and, and Burrow was hitting them. Um, the run game looked pretty good. I know they didn't put up a hell of a lot of points, but I thought the offense was really impressive, and I think the defense did enough. Um, Especially, obviously, with that forced fumble on Kelsey, that that they managed to get over the line. So I think they're a really, really dangerous team. Um, I do agree that our defense does match up pretty well to them. You know, you look at the skill set of Jamar Chase. You know, similar to to Denzel Ward's skill set, similar you know physical attributes. Same with T Higgins, Martin Emerson. Similar physical attributes. We saw that obviously the first time they met. Um, and Tyler Boyd, I don't doesn't necessarily scare me a hell of a lot going up against Greg Newsom either. Um but one thing I think is is massively different between the first time we met and this and next week. We didn't have to worry about Jamar Chase last time. I don't think, did we? Was he was he available? No. He weren't unavailable to them last time. Um so that's that's massive because that affects how many how many players we can have in the box for me next week. Bengals have three wide receivers; they can spread it right out, and that's why Samar JP Ryan has been having so much joy over the last few weeks. So I worry, especially with the linebackers we're going to have next week. I worry against light boxes what that Bengals run game is going to do to us, uh, and how that's going to affect the game on that side of the ball. 
I like how you think it's going to matter as to how many we put up in the box on the run game. We could have all 11, or we could have like two, and they'll do the exact same thing against us. Yeah, you <laughs> say that, but the last few weeks, barring like little bits here and there, I know Tampa Bay busted off a couple of, of decent runs, but the more players we had in the box against them, the more effective we were against them. The couple of weeks beforehand, the only the only game that really sticks out to us, to me anyway, that that we really struggled against the run in the last you know month or so. I know we had little bits against the Texans, but um, was the Dolphins game. But they, but again, that that is sort of what I'm trying to say. The Dolphins spread us out with those amazing wide receivers, and Jeff Wilson goes ham on us because we haven't got enough players in the box. That's sort of what the Bengals can do to us. So that that does worry me. I will be keeping an eye on Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan's um, rushing totals over this week. Um, yeah, I, 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 I get that. I get that. I'd say that the you know the the concern over P. Ryan was matched with Mixon uh, last time. In any case, there, there there is something to say about you know having to handle Chase, but. We've just spoken earlier about the fact that we've got, um, you know, that we've got three very capable corners as well. You know, I I want to I want to see us doing what we did against them in the first game, where we play man against them um, a lot more. We trust our corners to make the plays. They have been trusted to make those plays against these wide receivers and have won more times than they've lost. You know, I I want to see that confidence come out of them. But uh, no, I can definitely understand the the other side of that because it, it's always a worry. You know, the Bengals offense is a great offense. It's just the fact that, you know, just based on what we see, as Sean says, it was only a month ago, you know, you know that, you know, they were locked down, essentially. Yeah, um, and, a, and a month ago, mate, I was just looking back at the box score from that game. They only actually rushed for 36 yards on that game. Yeah, it was that one where the um, where that couple had um, Mixon to run seventy five yards, and he didn't get it. Yeah, uh, for the like half a million or something stupid. Bet. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was obviously to do with the game script at the time, and obviously you know you could argue that they abandoned the run. But I mean, just coming back to you know for me, why it's a case of you know continue to be that kryptonite. You know, I'd probably do put more emphasis on past things but if you look at the four games that Burrow has played he's been sacked 17 times in those four games this is a matchup that our defense you know Miles Garrett just you know he must rub his hands together and and off he goes because he always seems to have a big game against the Bengals 17 sacks in five games he's thrown just eight touchdowns against four interceptions he's fumbled the ball seven times now the, these things surely become something that, that starts playing into his head as well, because he'll know that he hasn't beaten the Cleveland Browns yet, you know, and obviously with it being a divisional game, the Battle of Ohio and all the rest of it, you know, that's that's something that he's got a bit of a monkey on his back that he obviously wants to to get right, you know, and look, you know, the last two games that he's played, he's lost 41-16 and he's lost 32-13. You know, they haven't been close games either, the games that Burrow has played, and he would have had, that fabulous wide receiver call last year in terms of Chase and Higgins and, and all the rest of it. And as much as, yeah, they absolutely could well win this game and could well win it convincingly, I just think, like I say, we have really just got to keep, you know, believing in the fact that we do match up well against them, um, you know, and ultimately, you know, it, let's put it this way, if we lose this week, in all likelihood, it's our season over, you know, in terms of any outside remote possibilities yep. of, of playoff runs and all the rest of it. The Bengals can afford to lose a game. They obviously don't want to, but they can probably afford to lose this one. It wouldn't end their season. So there's probably more riding on it for us as well in, in terms of that. Um, you know, So maybe that will play a factor as well. Yeah. I tell you what, let's, uh, let's jump on to the next point a wine this is yours in terms of how to survive the jungle deshaun watson very very obviously is going to have to recover from that debut yeah i think picking up on something sean said that works quite nicely with my point i think you look at last season the bengals did have those three wide receivers against us but one thing we did do in that game was score a bunch of points 
I think it would be really naive of us to to think that we can play the same way on offense as what we did this week and and be anywhere near the Bengals next week. I'd expect the Bengals to put up at least mid twenty in the range of of points next week. I think that's quite fair. Um, Watson's going to have to play a lot better. I don't think we didn't see a ton of signs of him of him improving throughout the game. But one thing I would say to sort of give any hope for next week regarding Watson was, to me, he looked really scared of taking sacks early on. I don't know about what he looked like to you, but I thought every time that he that he was under pressure, he looked nervous about getting hit. Oh, he was shit scared. Shit scared. Which is which is partly for me why he threw the interception in the first place, because mm. two come off the edge. He's trying to look off a safety. The pressure's coming in his face, and he just throws it. He just throws it to get get away from that sack. But to be fair to him, I think in the second half, once he maybe got hit once or twice, I think he he was more calm under pressure. He looked as if he was prepared to stay in there and get hit, you know, once or twice. So I think next week, now that he's taken a few hits, maybe, you know, once the pressure comes, which it will come, Trey Hendrickson's a really good pass rusher for them. Um, the interior defensive line played really well last night as well. Um, so I think I think we will see a little bit of an improvement next week. Whether we see what we need to see to win us the game, I'm not sure. Um, but I do think we will see an improvement next week. We need to see an improvement next week if we're going to yeah. keep it close. Um, and especially, like I met, I touched on their interior defensive line last night. I thought they were really impressive last night, which, you know, if they if they put more players in the box next week, which Houston kind of did, um, they didn't stop the run brilliantly, but they did put more players in the box again yesterday. If the Bengals do that next week and take away a run game, we have no choice other than maybe to throw the ball 40 times next week and really, you know, give Watson, you know, what what we signed him for and, and that's to put the team on his back and, and throw us to a victory. And, you know, Baker, to to his credit, did do that a couple of seasons ago against the Bengals away. Um, I think we're going to need to see it from Watson this week. You know, it... To be honest, I don't know about you two, if he doesn't go out and do it next week, it doesn't really affect how I view things going forward. I don't I still don't expect him to be all that great next week. I think we'll see a little improvement. I don't think I don't expect him to go and set the world on fire next week. Um no, it's too short a time frame, really, to, to you know, from some of the you know, you've you've just identified there, you know, shit scared under pressure. Throwing throwing balls off quickly, throwing balls into the ground, um, seemingly unable to get the ball out of his hands when he's on the move. You, you know, these are not quick things to fix. The only possible way that we see a complete change is if it turns out that it was all a ruse, you know. Was it all a ruse that they were just going to be able to get by off the skin of their teeth in order to, you know, give the Bengals a false sense of a false sense of satisfaction, be able to fill the box, and then Deshaun Watson decides to throw two or three over the top of the over the top of the defense just to uh, take us to a quick twenty-one nil lead. Funny enough, like I know you're joking about that, but I do think there's a little bit of credence to it. I think in Stefanski's first season. He definitely kept a few plays for the end of the season when he knew we were going to need it. You know, in games that we were expected to win and that we won comfortably, he shut the game down mm. in the second half, which you know annoys the hell out of me. But what that did do defense was continue. Yeah, what that did do was allow him to save some stuff in his playbook that he then used when we needed it. I do think there's elements to what we saw against the Texans where, you know, even first half when we were one score ahead, you kind of knew the game was done because they weren't good enough to hang, you know, any sort of points on us. So I do probably think that he kept quite a lot under his under his belt for this game where we really need to win. 
So as much as you joke about it, I wouldn't actually be all that surprised if we if we see a couple of elaborate shot plays uh, in the first half next week. Yeah, I think the difference there is we're talking about you know the elevation of the game book of the playbook instead of being able to change your hand mechanics. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah it, 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 mine's more that it's just so deliberate. Um, I, I guess this doesn't really bring me onto my point, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. So <laughs> I'm just looking at the time and thinking, yeah, we probably need to start wrapping this up. Um, so my point being that we need to dominate early. The way in which we've beaten the Bengals well in the past is to you know do something on defense early lock them down dominate on offense afterwards get that first score even if it's a case of just Stefanski getting that first drive in the book you know get it all the way down um score in the way in which he's been able to do really well with Jacoby Brissett if he can do that with Watson you know let's say that the Bengals start first we get seven zip and then get them to punt again you know, that would be enough for me to be able to set the tone against the Bengals. The what's worked really well for us is setting the tone because the Bengals do not like playing from, especially from two scores down. You know, I've never really seen a Bengals team that, that, that has been, you know, comfortable in doing that outside of, outside of really good teams outside of Kansas, Tennessee, etc. You know, they've been able to do that, but against the likes of Cleveland, where that's been asked of Joe Burrow a couple of times, uh, at least he's just not been able to do it. So, you know, if, if Watson is to have pulled the wall over my eyes, I really want him to be able to, you know, completely dispel the myths early doors and you know get get in their face early and get a score in so um chris has actually uh put here so leading is going to be key yes it really is we need to lead from the front we need to lead all the way through because if you give if you give them a chance to go a couple of scores up i don't see watson in his current state doing what baker mayfield did in cincinnati um was it last year was it last year where he, or was it the year before? He beat them last year. No, it was the year before, wasn't it? Was it the year before, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say the, the DPGA in like with seconds to go. Yeah, it was two yeah, years ago. Um, yeah, so, you know, I don't see Watson being able to do that, for example, where it's a second, where it's uh, um, a second half comeback. So that is how to survive the jungle. So some predictions. I think I know which way that these are going to lean, um, mainly because I did the slides for this. But, yeah, I was about uh, to say. Yeah, <laughs> I can't exactly get around that, can I? But I think that just the general chat, anyway, I think that everyone knows how this is going to go. So, Awine, you've gone for 27-14 to the Bengals. I think that just from what you've said, it's quite obvious as to, um, as to why. Sean and myself have both gone for narrow victories to the Browns. We are romantics. We believe in division rivals being a thing. We believe in runs being a thing. I would love to... At the end of the season, I would love to go back over our predictions week by week and see see if we were close. I know you two are drinking the Kool-Aid every week. So, put it this way. Last week... I got one point away. I said 28-14, and it ended up being 27-14. So I was pretty happy with that one. But seeing as you've been more the, we'll call it the realist. I I don't like calling you a pessimist. We'll call you a realist. (laughs) You know, you've been far more of a realist when it comes to this. And realism has ruled the day, as it were, this season. So, um, yeah, I, I think that if we did that experiment, mate, you'd come out on top. But uh, <laughs> to be expected, especially from someone who's ranked. What's your current rank on NFL pickums? Uh, I was up to third at one point this week. I think I may be down to fourth or fifth. Four. Listen to it, Jesus. Meanwhile, after my lofty heights of about 50th, I'm now 760th. 
<laughs> ah, just, just chasing far too much now. That's the problem. You've gotten that far ahead of me. I'm now just swinging for fences and I'm just not hitting bloody Chicago. Um, we'll uh, quickly run through our pick sixes. There are three games where we disagree this week, chaps. So whoever's the odd one out, I'll ask you to uh, defend your stance. So uh, Raiders, Rams, Eagles, Giants, and Dolphins, Chargers. We all went for the we all went for the away teams actually. So the Raiders, the Eagles, and the Dolphins. It, Vikings at Lions. Owain's gone for the Lions. Defend this yourself, really, Owain. Really, yeah, this was a really really close one for me. I think home field advantage just about swung it for me. I don't think the Vikings are as good as their record actually tells us they are. And Jameson Williams coming back for the Lions. Their offense looked really good the other day. This one might come back to bite me on the ass, I think. But I'm in a position now where I'm like three points off top of that Pickham's league. I need, you know, I'm I'm like you. I'm chasing that top guy, and I need I need a couple of. You're only uh, two uh, points off him, aren't you? You're two points off him. Yeah, but that means I need. I need to go. Yeah, but listen, I've made some predictions over the last few weeks that a lot of people would have laughed at beforehand, and and they've come, they've come up with a good. So you know, yeah, very, very, very true. Jared Goff is look, such... look, I, I, I wanted, I, I wanted a, a, a reason. That's a good enough reason for me. Uh, books Jared at forty nine is one to to read. <laughs> books so at forty nine they're the same person. <laughs> now Sean did you do this one before realising the extent of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury no and I'll make the same selection again I think the 49ers defence have, have played as well as anybody in the last few weeks I think the books have looked really really pedestrian on offence you know don't forget the last time we saw the books they were beaten by a team called the Cleveland Browns so, you know, I've I'm, I'm not got any confidence, really, in what the books are doing offensively. Um, I think the 49 has proved yesterday, um, you know, that, to be honest, and, and this is what we said at the start of the season in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo being a really good fit there. Um, you know, it's all about the scheme. It's all about, you know, that Carl Shanahan scheme. And I don't think it needs a particularly special quarterback to, to play it. And for what it's worth, I actually thought that Brock Purdy, when he came in, looked really quite good. You know, I think he got a command of the offence. Um, you know, I think he played, you know, reasonably well. Christian McCaffrey looks a real big part of the offence all of a sudden. Um, I just really like what the 49ers are doing at the minute. I think they'll have too much for the books, particularly at home. What if it's Baker Mayfield taking the snaps in San Francisco? Oh, then it's definitely the books. Definitely the books. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um, interesting point that you bring up because obviously the news is, is, is sort of broke today, isn't it? That he's going to be released. Obviously bad for us in terms of that um, trade because obviously we were relying on him playing a certain number of snaps for it to, to be around higher and all the rest of it. But I mean, what a what a fall from grace that's been. What an absolute fall from grace that's been. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does end up at the. Uh, at the 49ers, but like I say, even if it is Baker Mayfield, to be honest, I just said there, I don't think the quarterback's the, the, the real difference maker in that scheme. I think as long as it's reasonably competent play, I think they'll have enough for the book. I think someone will claim him before it gets to the Niners, to be honest. I think like a team no. like... Yeah, I think a team like the what, Texans like the like that, just put a claim in for him and, and kick the tyres for a few weeks. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing for a team like the Texans to lose, is there? So... Or even like I've heard, I've heard little things. Will, will the Niners' rivals put in a claim for him first, just to stop him? From just to stop him. Yeah, which is an interesting, interesting uh, thing to think about, isn't it? That is. Yeah. That, that really yeah. is. And I guess that he wouldn't actually carry the uh, the money anymore, would he? Uh, I think they have to pay him the base base salary, I believe. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure how much that yeah, is. So... Yeah, I, do, I I think that they ended up cutting it right down. I think that technically the contract was restructured. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's that much of a hit. The last one here, Awine, it's another one for you to uh, to defend. I could never defend uh, the Arizona Cardinals with or without Kyler Murray. So you're definitely going to have to do it, pal. You've got the <laughs> Arizona Cardinals beating the New England Patriots. 
Yeah, this is another tough one, but the Patriots are, are awful. I know the cards aren't much better, but the Patriots are really, really bad. Please Cardinals read that can... as the Arizona Cardinals are also awful, but continue. Yeah, they are also awful, but you know, I, I just have Murray, like his escapability, Hopkins, you know, I think you know, I listen to the PFF forecast quite a lot when it, when it comes to betting and and they've been pounding the table over the last few weeks. Um, that the Patriots have been really bad this season at defending like out and out number one re- wide receivers, which is quite unusual for Bill Belichick. But if you look back at this season, players like Diggs, um, Tyreek Hill, uh, and there's another one, uh, Justin Jefferson. Sorry, have had massive, massive games against the the New England Patriots. So. I'd expect D Hop to have a have a big game coming off a bye. Um they may be getting a little bit healthier. I don't know if Rondale Moore will play. Um but yeah, again, it's just a little bit of going against the grain and, and I really don't believe in that that Patriots offense at all. No, that's fair. Uh everyone who's still in the league, please do continue to put in your pickings. I know it's a little disheartening to have a wine just so far ahead of everyone in the league, but who knows? He could get hit by a bus tomorrow and not be able to make his picks, of which that means is, that the league's that is, still up for grabs. That is some, uh, some way to put some bad voodoo on me to, to stop <laughs> <doing any> <laughs> Hey, look, if every team I pick for the last four or five weeks gets hit by a bus with two minutes to go, I'm pretty sure that I can just uh, put out any kind of vibes I want, knowing that it's not going to happen. It'll be me hit by the bus. But uh, just just keep keep putting in your picks because you never know. A wine might swing for one too many fences. There we go. Do you prefer that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's, Please. that's pretty possible, to be fair. Yeah, please don't get hit by a bus. Uh, <laughs> very, very last thing. So we've just gone over the hour mark, but Sean, you said something on the WhatsApp chat last night that resonated with me so much because I thought the exact same thing. Now, for those of you that are watching on the uh, that are watching this via video rather than uh, listening to us, you'll be able to see this in all its glory. Um, but for those of you who are on audio, I'll explain it. We're looking specifically at the Houston Texans end zone. Why, oh, why do they not just fill in the color all the way to the lines? Just, I don't understand it. In fact, I hate it. It doesn't make any sense. Sean, I know that you were you were big on this. Have, I mean, I mean, can you think of any reason why? Oh, Do you hate it? Like, like, am I maybe over uh, over hyping this a bit? But I absolutely no. detest this. I, I, I just detest it, man. Because I mean, the reason that it br- was brought up was was the Dick Chubb um, being stopped for the safety. Because he just, you know, to me, it just it just feels really strange. Because you sort of get out of that coloured area, and you sort of think, well, I'm out of the end zone, and then it's like, well, actually, you've got another yard to go. It just seems really bonkers. Um, I think the, the the worst one is is the um, the Los Angeles one. And that's even worse. And I don't know if it's just like because of the, the the sort of you know the way that it blends into the rest of the the stadium or whatever. But that one just feels even worse. And they often you know obviously they rotate that between the Chargers and the and the Rams. So it's just just I just find it bonkers, mate. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a it's not a massive thing, but it's just a minor irritation. I just don't know why they do it. Don't know why they do it. Um. I know, I know. I was thinking the same yesterday, mate. Terrible. Uh, in other Browns news, of which I've been able to get up on Twitter whilst we've been on the show, uh, Sione Takitaki has been confirmed to have had a torn ACL, so he'll be out for the rest of the season. Um, prayers up to him uh, as he begins his recovery. Also, the week, what is it now? Week 15 game against the Baltimore Ravens has been moved. It's been flexed to the Saturday evening slot. So for us, that will be Saturday, the 17th of December at 9.25, of which we seem to get almost every year. And it is by far the best time slot going. Like, it is the best time slot that you could possibly have. And I'm thinking it is 
that is the night before the World Cup final, isn't it? Which means that we could actually watch the World Cup final in peace. I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, everyone's delighted that I'll be able to get to watch England in the World Cup final on the Sunday now as well, only so, you know, marvellous. Oh, we were so close. We were, we've had one hour and five minutes of this podcast and we didn't mention it once. A wine, just don't listen to him. Don't listen to I'm him. Not right? I'm not going to bite. Please do not bite. No, we love all of our we, we love all, all of our English and Welsh friends equally on this podcast. Just um, quickly, Jen, just quickly, it's got go nothing on. to do with the England Wales game. Um, since we're on barking mad, did either of you notice the um, the fro hold? Uh, <laughs> the picture uh, they put up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Do we know that, you know what? That, that was, was another one I was thinking about. No, not a clue. If anyone can please let us know on Twitter at Cleveland Brit as to who on earth the picture that they put up for Throw Holt <laughs> was during that book. I'll, I'll see if I can go back and find the picture um of it on the on the broadcast because that was actually insane. I was there thinking that's that's not him, surely. And I yeah, started so thinking, have, have, I just had a different, pe- have I just had a different like... person in my head? And then they put yeah. him through to the camera. And it's like, no, completely different person. <laughs> madness. Oh, that, that madness. He looked like a wide receiver on the picture as well. <laughs> like, you know, definitely a uh, weapon player rather than a lineman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Anyway, that is us today at the Believe and Brit podcast. Thank you very much for watching, tuning in, engaging. Remember, you can follow us at Believe and Brit. Also, find us on Facebook. Just search for Believe and Brit podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., please do like and subscribe. Trust me, it really does matter, especially when I saw our Spotify wrapped uh, the other day. Really looking forward to how that looks like less. Uh, next year when we uh, when we have a few more episodes in the books so please do continue to uh, watch listen all the rest of it we really do appreciate it here at the podcast until next week next week will not be a monday podcast just as an fyi um christmas party dues are uh, getting in the way of that so we'll let you know via the twitter the facebook and whatever else as to when that will be but for now keep it at oh, i've completely messed that i was gonna say keep it at the full 10 yards there thinking i was hosting the full 10 yards podcast but also do listen to that we're about to jump on and do that show over at the full 10 yards but for now go browns 